This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, uh, we'll see how the Pirates, Nats, and O's uh, fared this weekend. The playoff pictures are shaping up in high school hoops in the uh, Mountain State. It looks like the NBA and other leagues are bracing for a possible verdict in the uh, Derek Chauvin case uh, this week. Vegas has put out its NFL win totals for the upcoming season. We'll take a peek at those. And uh, I guess we'll call it our question of the day. What would you take from your favorite team? Consistently good in playoff contention, you know, most years, or would you rather mortgage the future for a championship right now? All that and more coming up in the next two hours of the Morning Rush. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another Essential Work Week. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Our Twitter pages, at ESPN Morning Rush. My page, at Rush Tony C. Facebook page, at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Find those pages, like them, follow them, and uh, just several ways for you to reach out and communicate. Drop me a line, got a question. You want to get involved on our question of the day? Any comments, whatever. Also, uh, taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamon, 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page. On the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day, minus commercials. Uh, just for you to go back and uh, check out anything that you may have missed, either today's show or, you know, shows from uh, before. So there you go. All right, let's kick off every show as we kick off every show of the Rock Around the Region. I want to rock! And we start with Major League Baseball, where Colin Moran had himself a day for the Pirates. Fastball, 1-1, hit to left and deep. McKinney back. There it goes! Home run for Colin Moran! There she goes for the Redbeard. Bringing the ball looped into right base. Hit. Here comes Reynolds. He read that well. He's going to score. It's going to go all the way to the wall. Moran goes into second base. And on the second pitch of the inning, Moran with an RBI double. And the Pirates lead 6-5 to five in the 10th. Joe blocked the calls on the Pirates radio network. Three-run blast in the third inning. And then an RBI double in the 10th inning for Colin Moran. Redbeard to give the Pirates a 6-5 win over the Brewers in Milwaukee. Brian Reynolds also homeward for the Bucs, who took two of three in the series, uh, their first series win in Milwaukee since 2018. Elsewhere, Nate Lowe hit a bases-loaded single in the 10th to give the Rangers a 1-0 win over the Orioles in Texas. Uh, John Means had a great start for the O's in a no decision. He struck out 10 and walked two in seven scoreless innings. And the Diamondbacks beat the Nationals 5-2 in D.C. to earn a split of their four-game series. Trey Turner 
hit a pair of solo home runs for the Nats, who announced before the game that Steven Strasburg was going on the 10-day injured list with inflammation in his right shoulder. On the ice a Sunday, two was the magic number for the Bruins against the Capitals. And now it's center, controlled here by Wilson. The drop is to Ovechkin. His shot, little wrister that came in on Rask from the high slot. Locked down, and here comes Marchand. He's got Pasternak with him. They've got room. The pass across. Pasternak setting it up, and they score. Patrice Bergeron, the perfection line, burns them again. And it's a two-goal lead for the Bees at 5-3. to three. John Walton, the call on the Capitals radio network. Two goals each for Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, and David Krejci as the Bruins doubled up the Caps 6-3 in Boston. T.J. Oshie had a pair of goals for Washington. And in Buffalo, a day after being eliminated from playoff contention, the Sabres, the lowly Sabres, doubled up the Penguins 4-2. Teddy Bluger and Jason Zucker scored for the Pens, who lost to the Sabres for the first time this season and for just the eighth time since the start of the 2012-2013 season. In college basketball, West Virginia's Emmett Matthews announced yesterday he's going back home. The Tacoma, Washington native announced he is transferring to the University of Washington. Uh, Matthews entered the NCAA transfer portal shortly after the end of this past season. He started 25 of 29 games for the Mountaineers as a junior, averaging 7.7 points a game. He will have two years of eligibility left for Washington. And in college football, staying in Morgantown, uh, West Virginia received a pair of defensive back commits over the weekend. Illinois State transfer Charles Wood, who will have two years left, and Tyron Woodby from St. Francis Academy. Now, he is considered a three-star prospect from rivals or by rivals. Uh, he also had offers from Pitt, Virginia Tech, and Maryland, among other schools. And that is uh, your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caporale Group. Uh, so the Mountaineers uh, bid farewell and adieu to Emmett Matthews Jr., who heads way out west, right, to Washington, going back home, which, you know, if that was part of the reason, wanting to go back to where he grew up, all right, fine. And, of course, uh, Jordan McCabe, he transferred earlier to where'd he go? He also went kind of out west, right? Uh, UNLV, that's right. That's out west. Vegas is out west. And, again, we've talked about this on the show time and time again. This transfer portal really just making a mess of things. Over a thousand names in the portal. And, and you look at a guy like Emmett Matthews and you think, well, wait a minute. He he started 25 of 29 games last year, right? On a pretty good basketball team in Morgantown. Why would he ever why would he ever want to leave? Well, it's that extra year. And we've discussed this before. If this was just a normal year, if it wasn't for the pandemic and the NCAA granting everybody an extra year of eligibility, then none of this would happen because there's no way that Emmett Matthews transfers his senior season unless something really goes off the rails, unless he really hates where he's at. But that extra year, 
I think, gives players some more flexibility. It gives them a little more, you know, a little more reason to think, well, maybe I should, maybe I should go somewhere. I, I spent three years here, but I could spend two more years somewhere else. And I think that has a lot to do with these decisions with not just in, in Morgantown, but every, across the country. All these players getting into the transfer portal and going somewhere else. It's that extra year. And we're just going to keep on seeing more and more and more of it in the next, you know, leading up to next season. Unless the situation is so unbearable, unless you just absolutely can't stand where you're at, you can't stand your coach, you can't stand your teammates, it's just a, a for you personally, a toxic situation. Very rarely do you see a player, especially one who started 85% of the games last season. Very rarely do you see a, a player skip town for their senior year. But in essence, uh, they get two senior senior years now. So he goes. So Emma Matthews is gone. I always liked Matthews. If I was a solid ball player, and uh, he's going to help Washington. Of course, Washington needs help. They were five and twenty-one last season. So. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe it was the draw of going back home for two years. Maybe that was it. Because you're leaving a pretty good situation in West Virginia. Because the Mountaineers and Bob Huggins, they're going to be pretty good again next year. You're leaving a pretty good situation there to go play for a team that just went 5-21. and 21 In the Pac-12. So maybe that call home was just too, uh, too much for Emmett Matthews uh, to ignore. Uh, Best of luck to him uh, the next two seasons in Washington. So uh, we talked about the uh, Bucks, O's, and Nats in the Rock Around the Region. Pretty good weekend for the Pirates and Orioles, I think. Each took a two or three in their respective series. Each are now sitting at seven and nine. And each are not in last place in their divisions. Which I think, if you're a Bucks or O's fan, yeah, you'll take it, right? Especially when you consider, you know, the Pirates have already had a six-game losing streak this season. The Orioles have already had a four-game slide. Both teams are in rebuild mode. The Orioles a little further along in their rebuild than the Pirates are. So anytime uh, those teams can take two or three from anybody, uh, it's a good thing. The Pirates, as I mentioned earlier, uh, beat the Brewers in 10 innings yesterday. They snapped a 12-game losing streak in extra innings. That had been the longest active streak in baseball, and believe it or not, it was tied for the second longest extra inning losing streak in modern baseball, which I had no idea until they mentioned it on the broadcast yesterday. The record is 13 straight extra inning losses set by the Expos, the defunct Expos. And so far to this point in the season, and again, it's very early, the the one massive bright spot for the Pirates has been their bullpen, which had thrown 12 and a third straight scoreless innings before uh, Chris Stratton, who I do not like, not personally, but as a pitcher. He gave up two runs in the seventh inning yesterday. But still, that bullpen has allowed just three runs in the last 29 innings, which you're going to need that 
when your starting pitching isn't exactly uh, stellar. <laughs> when maybe the worst part of your team is your starting pitching, you need a solid bullpen like that. At the end of that bullpen, Richard Rodriguez, the de facto closer, he's been lights out so far. Now, they haven't gone as far as to call him the closer, but that's what he is. He's allowed just one hit, one walk, zero runs in six and a third innings. And he actually pitched two innings. Yes, he pitched the ninth and the tenth to slam the door shut on Milwaukee. The Orioles' bullpen, by the way, uh, not too shabby itself. They didn't allow a run in 13 and two-thirds innings before yesterday's loss. And they've been doing it with offense on top of some good you know, pitching from the bullpen. They scored at least five runs in their last three, uh, three wins. They outscored the Rangers 11-3 in the first two games of their series, both victories, of course, before absolutely just falling off the map yesterday. <laughs> unable to score a single run in 10 innings. Still a bright spot in a loss yesterday was John Means, who was in a very rare pitcher's duel, right? How often do we see those anymore in today's baseball? Because pitchers rarely go past six innings, starting pitchers. Uh, he was in a pitcher's duel with Kyle Gibson. Means went seven scoreless, three hits, Nine strikeouts and two walks. Problem is, Gibson went eight scoreless, four hits, and six strikeouts. If you're uh, an old head like me, uh, you like to see a good pitcher's duel every now and then. I know a lot of folks these days don't have the patience for it. They want to see home runs and long balls, and they want to see seven, eight runs scored a game. Nothing wrong. Every now and then. A good old pitcher's duel. Uh, Means ERA, by the way, is now down to 1.52. And then there's the Nationals, who seem to just be spinning their wheels so far this season. Uh, They split their four-game series with the Diamondbacks over the weekend. Nats are now 5-8, and and they've won back-to-back games just once this season. Washington, and this is goofy right here. Because Washington is second in all of baseball with a team average of 267. So they're getting guys on base. Problem is, those guys aren't scoring. The Nats are next to last in the bigs with 46 runs scored. Second in average, next to last in runs scored. And the pitching hasn't helped either. They're also next to last with just five wins by their starters, and they are in the bottom third with a team ERA of 4.46. And then the news comes yesterday, and stop me if you've heard this one before. Steven Strasburg is back on the injured list. I know I was shocked myself. Strasburg was supposed to start yesterday, but before the game, the team announced he was being placed on the 10-day I.L., Retroactive to this last Thursday with right shoulder inflammation. Inflammation. I threw an extra M in there for no reason. And so here are the Nationals with an opportunity to take three of four from Arizona 
with an opportunity to win three straight games, and Strasburg is scratched right before the game. And so he had to be replaced by 34-year-old Paolo Espino, who had to be recalled, made just his fourth career start. Actually didn't pitch too bad. He allowed two runs over four and a third innings. But here's a situation of Strasburg being hurt again. And it's it's been a theme with him throughout his career. He's 0-1 this season, ERA over six. And I think like his story is going to be just one of those stories. When it's all said and done of boy, just how just think how great, right? This guy could have been if that's the four magic words, if he'd stay healthy, right? How many times have we heard that about a player over there in any sport? If he'd stay healthy. Now, if you're the Nats, you just kind of hope it doesn't turn into something worse and more long-term, that it's just a 10-day stint on the IL. They get the inflammation worked out. And look, Strasburg, believe it or not, and I was, I don't know why I was shocked when I saw this, but I was. He's 32. He's no spring chicken as far as, you know, when it comes to Major League starters anymore. I don't know why I thought he was younger. But he's been around for a while, a lot longer than I actually thought. And here's a guy who just, for whatever reason, I saw this question uh, last week. I saw the question on Twitter. And somebody asked, I don't know if it was a poll or a question of the day or whatever it was, what's the one athlete that if you can go back and change things, what's the one athlete? that you would have loved to have seen play their career start to finish injury-free. Like a, a player who we knew was already good or very good, but could have been absolutely great if their careers you know, weren't cut short by injury. We actually talked about this last week a little bit. We were talking about uh, what's-his-name getting in the Hall of Fame, uh, Julian Edelman. And we talked about guys like Gail Sayers, who had his career cut short because of injury, but was still in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Terrell Davis, who had his career cut short, but he's still in the Hall of Fame. You know, you see players who are destined for greatness or just, they're already great, but we just see him for a short period of time. A lot of people said Bo Jackson. I saw a lot of answers You know, if you can go back and, again, change things and see one player play an entire career injury-free, a lot of folks said Bo Jackson, and I I have to agree with that. Wouldn't it have been great to see what Bo Jackson could have done in both the NFL and Major League Baseball if he was able to stay healthy, if he hadn't injured at a hip when he was playing with the Raiders? I I think it was against the Bengals. Don't quote me on that, but I'm fairly certain he got injured against the Bengals. Now, my first thought, being a Pittsburgh guy, was Mario Lemieux. Who, as we all know, he's already great. He's he's already one of the greatest hockey players this earth has ever seen. But you factor in 
the the back injury, having to come back from cancer, how many games, how many games he missed, having his career cut short, having to retire and come back. What if Mario had played his entire career start to finish injury free? Maybe he would be on top of the all-time points list or goals list or whatever. Because I think it's widely accepted that Gretzky and Lemieux were the two greatest players of all time. And there's always been that argument, who is better? Who is better? Gretzky, a better scorer. Lemieux, just better all-around player. But my again, my first thought was, boy, if I could have seen Mario play his entire career minus all that other stuff, boy, how, how, mu- even, how much more fantastic would he have been? Anyway, point being, coming full circle before we go to break, here's a guy like Steven Strasburg, who we know is good. We know he's really good. Whenever he's healthy, he's really, really good. But that's the key. Guy just can't stay healthy. And I think he fits into that category. Boy, not that his career's over yet, it's not. But when it's all said and done, one of those guys that you'd have loved to have seen pitch start to finish with no injuries. All right, stick around. Time for a break. When we come back, some high school hoops talk. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland, ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. And we're talking some uh, Major League Baseball. We'll get to high school basketball here uh, a little later on, either end of this hour or beginning of next hour. But we're talking some Major League Baseball last segment, kind of putting the wraps on the weekend for the uh, Bucks, O's, and Nats. And I tuned in a little bit to ESPN's uh, Sunday night game, the Cubs and the Braves. Braves just beat down the Cubs last night. Cubs in a world of hurt. They're in last place in the NL Central. Anytime you are behind the Pirates in the standings, you got issues. But the guys who were doing uh, the game, uh, Matt Vaskersian and A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, I don't know how they got on the subject, but I guess, what was that final last night? It was some ridiculous score. And really, all they were doing was just killing time because the game was completely out of hand. And uh, the the Braves won 13-4 to at Wrigley. So in a game like that, you have the announcers. They're trying to kill time. They're trying to keep viewership. They don't want people taking off somewhere else, which is easy to do in a 13 to 4 baseball game. So they get into this conversation about and I do believe it has something to do with Vaskersian being an A's fan. And of course, the A's, one of those small market baseball teams, every now and then they'll have a good season. But for the most part, they just kind of scuttle along you know, hovering around 500. Every now and then they'll make a push for a wild card. You know, definitely not the A's of the 1970s, all right? And A-Rod kind of posed the question uh, to Vaskersian, what would you rather have? Like, if you're the fan of a team like that, what would you rather have? And this is our question of the day. 
Would you rather have a team that was consistently good? Not great, but consistently good. Every year or most years above 500, most years in playoff contention. Maybe they get in as a wild card. Maybe now and then they win a division. Again, not super great. Like not a super team like the Dodgers. But just a team that kind of hangs around and is kind of in it every year. Or would you want your team to just mortgage the future and be terrible for the next 10, 15 years if they could win a championship right now? And Vaskersian said that he would rather his A's just be consistently good. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching that game and I'm listening to the conversation. My son, uh, Little C, was in the room as well. And so I asked him, Little C, I said, what would you rather have? Would you rather have the Pirates be consistently good? Or would you rather have them mortgage the future for a championship? And he said, well, they're neither right now, so I'll take either, I'll take either one of them. Which was a smart answer. Because the Pirates... If nothing else, they are consistently bad. So if you're a fan of a team like the Pirates, you'll take anything. Whether they're consistently... But I forced him to answer the question. And he said, well, I guess I'd rather have them consistently good. Me, after I thought about it for a bit, I think I want the championship. I think I want the title. I'm used to seeing the Pirates be bad. So another 10 to 15 years of garbage, I'm kind of used to that. But if they could mortgage everything for a title this year, I think I'd I'd rather have that. And and I want to get your thoughts on that. 301-759-2628. 301-759-2628. Or uh, drop me a line on Twitter, at ESPN Morning Rush, or on Facebook, Uh, at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. I want to know your team. Who's your team? And would you rather have a consistently good team year after year or a team that just would sell everything, just win a championship? And I think with me and Little C, it's, it's the age difference. He is a senior in high school. He has, Lord willing, another... What? I I can't put a number on it. But decades and decades of baseball watching in front of him. I don't. (laughs) I don't. I'm heading down the home stretch of this life cycle. I don't know if I'll ever get a chance. Look, the last time the Pirates won a World Series, the last time the Pirates went to a World Series, I was eight. Eight. I remember watching it. I don't remember much of what I watched, but I remember watching it. Back in 79, we are family. And they haven't been to a World Series since, let alone won one. Then they went in the tank. They had some good years. Well, the 80s 80s were terrible. Had some really good years in the early 90s. Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla, Doug Drabeck, and the like. You know, Andy Van Slyke. 
Then they had 20 straight losing seasons. A professional sports record. North American pro sports record. 20 straight losing seasons. Kind of came back around. 2000, you know, 2013, 14, 15. And now we're back to just, again, with the Pirates. And knowing how the Pirates operate, knowing that they're a small market team that doesn't spend money, usually <clears throat> unloads all their talent to unload salary because they can't afford to you know, pay their good players the big bucks. Knowing what I know, seeing what I've seen from the Pirates over the last 30-plus years, give me the championship now. Because I don't know, honestly, and it's one of those things that you think about when you get older. I just, I just turned 50 last month. I don't know if I'll ever see another Pirates World Series in my, before I die. And that's, that's really... I know it's a, a, a you know a, a dark thing to think about and talk about, but it's just it's reality, right? We all die. Call or hold on. We live. We're born. We live. We die. I don't know if I'll see another one in my lifetime. So I'll take a championship now, and suffer through ten to fifteen more losing seasons. My son, who has years and years ahead of him, Lord willing, he can afford to wait a little longer. <laughs> Four one, you know. Let's go to the rush line. Three zero one seven five nine two six two eight. You're up. Who's this? It's Dwayne. How you doing? Dwayne, what's going on, brother? Happy uh, Monday to you. Oh, happy, happy Monday. To you. <laughs> uh, what's going on? Well, uh, I'm an Orioles fan, right? I think I've, I've mentioned that before. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I'd rather have this. Like, if I could pick. You know, uh, a winning all the time, or just sell everything and have a World Series. Okay. Uh, is there a third option? Can can I like just win all the time and World? <laughs> no, that's not the way it was proposed last night. How about we do this? If 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 they sell everything to win a you know a World Series, can I couple that with? The Yankees losing as many games as humanly possible. Ooh, uh, I'll, give, I'll give you that. Sure. Okay. Sure. Because I, I would like that too. So we'll, we'll both be on the same boat there. Yeah, I want them to to spend as much money as humanly possible and lose as many games. <laughs> uh, call me a hater, but uh, that's what I want to have happen. Well, they're they're struggling now. They are. Uh, oh, they're they're cellar dwellers. They're in last place. They're five and ten right now. They are behind the Orioles. Love it while it still lasts. Can you can you see the smile on my face? <laughs> I mean, the Orioles aren't doing great, but I mean they're middle of the pack. But uh, at least they're not down to the cellar. That's today. right. That's right. I mentioned that earlier in the show. The Pirates and the Orioles, neither one in last place. It's a shocker. It is a shocker. But hey, I'll, I'll hold on to it while it lasts. <laughs> but yes, for me. Like I want to see the Orioles before I die win another one. Yeah, it's been what was it eighty one? I think 80, 81 or eighty three comes to mind. One of those two. Yeah, I can't remember which one it was. It's been so long ago we can't even remember. Yeah, Kyle Ripken was was like fresh out of diapers. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Anyway, yeah, that's my that's my take. All right, thank you, sir. Appreciate the call as always. Have a great day. 
All right, there you go. Dwayne from Cumberland checking in, 301-759-2628. Dwayne wants to see a World Series. And, you know, icing on the cake, he wants the Yankees to lose every game they play for the rest of existence. I get that. I get that. I'm going to try to find – I, I want to say it was 81. It was, it was 83. It was 83. It was 1983. They beat the, uh, the Phillies four games to one. So there you go. I'm in the same boat as Dwayne, fan-wise, and I think age-wise. We both <laughs> we both know the train's pulling into the station sooner rather than later. I want to see a World Series. I want to see it now. I want to see the Pirates win another championship before I die. I don't have time to sit there and, and bet on consistently good. Now, now, granted, don't get me wrong. If you are consistently good, if you are consistently in contention, then that, of course, increases your chance to get to a World Series and win. Like, kind of like the, the Rays are like that. The Rays have been like that. Consistently good, hovering around 500. Past couple years have been good. They've gotten to a couple World Series, haven't won it, but they've been to a couple series. So the chance, you know, that they get back again, it's pretty good, I think. That's a, that's a very well-run organization, especially since they're fleecing the Pirates for all their good players, it seems like. Now, do you want a team like the Rays, who seem to be in it more often than not, or do you just want to mortgage everything, sell the farm to get that World Series? I want that. And it doesn't have to be baseball. It could be anything. Football, basketball, hockey, whatever. Which route, which route, depending on where you're from, do you want uh, your team to take? Keep those calls coming. 301-759-2628. Time for a break. We'll be back after this. Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush. I just posted our question of the day, our poll, which we were talking about last segment. And it could be any sport, really. It doesn't have to be baseball. But the question was posed last night uh, during ESPN's uh, Sunday night game. Would you want your favorite team to be consistently good year after year? Or would you rather them mortgage the future for a guaranteed title right now? So head over to Twitter, at ESPN Morning Rush, cast your vote. And again, being consistently good year after year will not guarantee you a title. Whether it's a World Series title, Super Bowl, Stanley Cup, whatever. But you'll see your team be in contention. More years than not. Okay? Your team could be good for 20 years. But not win anything. Would you rather have that? Or would you rather have that title, like, guaranteed this year, but then you're absolutely horrible for the next 15, 20 years? Dwayne called uh, last segment. He's an Orioles fan. He said he wants the title. I'm a Pirates fan. I say I want the title. Now, the common factor there is we're both long-suffering 
baseball fans. We have been starved for a World Series championship. And plus, we're old. So I think, you know, it depends on who you root for, how long you've rooted for them, how old you are. That all factors into how you answer that question. And it's a tough one when you think about it. It's fun when your team wins. It's fun when your team is in contention. More years than not. It is. You look forward to every single year. And it's a disappointment when your team doesn't make the playoffs. Right? So on the flip side, for instance, I'm a Pittsburgh guy, so I'm a you know Pirates fan, Steelers. Steelers, I'm spoiled. I expect to make the playoffs. They have been consistently good, if not great, for the most of my lifetime. So it's a disappointment when they don't make the playoffs. And what they they've done both. They have been consistently good and they've won championships. That's, you know, you're not going to trade that for anything. The Penguins, for the better part of 20 plus years, they have been consistently good. And they've won some Stanley Cups. Before that, they were just awful. I mean, just awful. And, of course, we don't have an NBA team, so it doesn't matter. But I want to keep hearing from you guys. Give us a call, 301-759-2628. Or go on Twitter, at ESPN Morning Rush, cast your vote. Or you can just leave me a message on Facebook, at Cumberland's ESPN Radio, to let me know how you feel about it. Because there, there are things to be said for both. There are good arguments to be had for both. And again, I think it depends on uh, how you're looking at it, your your perspective on the whole thing. Knowing the Pirates have been awful for an, an extended period of time, for the most part, just give me the championship. Just, just give it to me. Give me the title. Let me celebrate it. And then I'll put up with 15 more years of losing because I've already put up with how many? <laughs> I'm numb to it by now. I'm numb to it. I look at a case like the St. Louis Blues, okay, before they won their cup a couple years ago. The Blues had made the playoffs a ridiculous amount of years. See, and that's where where if you want your team to be consistently good year after year, that's where it can actually turn into torture because they – I'll look it up during the break. But before they won their cup a couple years ago, they had made the playoffs – an insane number of years. I want to say it was in the 20s and never won a Stanley Cup. So that that could almost be as torturous as your team just never being in it. Like if your team, like again, I'll bring up the Pirates. If your team was terrible and they're never in contention except for a couple, you know, crazy years here and there, that's hard. It's hard to be a fan of a team that's just never good. But it could be, I think, equally as hard. To have a team that's consistently there year after year after year, but just never get over the hump. Just never win the big one. That can be just as rough. That could also be another uh, question today now that I think about it. Look at the Buffalo Bills, right? 
Look at the Buffalo Bills. Look at look at what their fans went through, losing four straight Super Bowls. That's they were consistently good. They were. They went. They won four straight AFC championships. They went to four Super Bowls. That's consistently good, but they didn't win anything. And that's got to be just as hard of a pill to swallow than your team not being any good at all, right? It has to be. has to be. Now, I think you still take four chips to the Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong. But it still, at some point, has to reach a a level where it's like, man, can we win just, just one? All right, hour number one in the books, hour number two around the corner doing push-ups. Stick around, 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Just a reminder, several ways to get involved on the show. Our Twitter pages, at ESPN Morning Rush. At Rush Tony C, if you go to the ESPN Morning Rush uh, Twitter page, you can vote on today's uh, question of the day. We are talking about it last hour. Would you want your favorite team, could be any sport, to be consistently good year after year, or would you trade it all for a guaranteed title today and just have your team stink for like the next 15 years? Go on Twitter and vote at ESPN Morning Rush. Also, uh, drop me a line on Facebook at Cumberland's ESPN Radio or uh, call in your answer. The Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamo, 301-759-2628. And don't forget about our podcast page on the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day minus commercials. Go back and check out anything you missed. For instance, if you missed last hour, you can uh, go back and listen to our conversation about what I just said. Also ran down uh, the weekend's action with the Pirates, Nationals, and Orioles. The uh, Bucks and O's, I think, although they have losing records, a pleasant surprise so far. Each sitting at 7-9. and nine. And when you consider what the expectations were going in, we'll take it. So, play, I'm taping Jewel checking in. It says, two long droughts for Fort Hill football fans who were consistently at the top between 1975 and 97. And 97 and 20, all oh, between state championships. I see, I see. 1975 and 1997, and 1997 to 2013. Two long droughts between uh, state championships. All right. But I guarantee they were consistently good, though, right? Just no state championships. See, that's the key. That's what you have to take into uh, consideration. Do you want your team to be consistently good? Which, of course, if they are, I'm, look, I'm not saying if your team's consistently good that you don't win any championships. That's, that's not what I'm saying. That there's a potential to win, but you're not guaranteed to win. Okay, you just each year you know your team's going to be in contention. Decent, all right? Or just trade it all away for a championship right now. And you're guaranteed to stink for the next 10, 15 years. 
give me the championship now. I'm, I'm speaking from a Pirates perspective. And then I said uh, during the end of last hour that sometimes it can work in, in reverse, that a team could be consistently good, but be equally as uh, torturous because they don't win. And I mentioned the St. Louis Blues, and I looked it up during the break. The Blues made the Stanley Cup playoffs 25 straight years. Never won a Stanley Cup. Now, they won one in 2019, but I'm talking about during that streak. From the 79-80 season through 2003-2004, they made the playoffs 25 straight years, never won a cup. The Blackhawks, from 1969-70 to 96-97, they went to the playoffs 28 straight years, didn't win a Stanley Cup. I would have to think that in itself, in its own way, would be hard to take as a fan. As opposed to like the Red Wings, they also went to the playoffs 25 straight years from uh, the 90-91 season to 2015-16, but they won four cups. So obviously, that's a good deal. That's You take that, right? You take 25 straight playoff years and with four cups thrown in. The Montreal Canadiens, Le Habitat, they went to the playoffs 24 straight years, but they won eight cups. So that's, you know, that's dynasty. That's dynastic right there. Having your team consistently lose can be difficult. Very difficult. But in the case of the Blues right there, having your team consistently win but not get over the hump can be equally as difficult, can it not? Each year, like each year, how many times we've heard fans say, this is our year, right? This is our year. If you're the fan of a terrible team, it's never your year. Ever. Ever. It's never your year. You kind of just hope you finish 500. You hope that maybe, you know, you catch lightning in a bottle and you make the playoffs. If if you're the fan of a sorry team, it's never your year. But in a case like the Blues there, 25 straight playoff years, every year it's like, oh, this is it. You know, after you get to like year 15, 16, (laughs) this is going to be the year. We're going to make the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. And then they don't. Then it's next year, this is going to be the year. And then the next year, and the next year, and the next year. Anyway, uh, head over to Twitter, again, at ESPN Morning Rush, and vote on the uh, question of the day, or give us a call, 301-759-2628. Would you want your team to be consistently good with no guarantee championship? Or would you rather take your team, just mortgage the entire future, be terrible for like 15 straight years if that meant a title now. And we'll continue through, you know, we'll, we'll get back to this uh, as the show progresses. Right now, uh, one final time, let's rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we'll start with Major League Baseball uh, yesterday where Colin Moran had himself a day for the Pirates. Fastball, 1-1, hit to left and deep. McKinney back. There it goes. Home run for Colin Moran. There she goes for the Redbeard. Bringing the ball looped into right base. Hit. Here comes Reynolds. He read that well. He's going to score. It's going to go all the way to the wall. Moran goes into second base. And on the second pitch of the inning, 
Moran with an RBI double, and the Pirates lead 6-5 in the 10th. Joe blocked the calls on the Pirates radio network. Three-run blast in the third inning. Then the RBI double in the 10th inning for Moran uh, to give the Pirates a 6-5 win over the Brewers in Milwaukee. Brian Reynolds also homered for the Bucks, who took two of three in their series, their first series win in Milwaukee since 2018. Elsewhere, Nate Lowe hit a bases-loaded single in the 10th to give the Rangers a 1-0 win over the Orioles in Texas to avoid a three-game sweep. John Means had a great start for the O's in a no decision. He struck out nine and walked two in seven scoreless innings. And the Diamondbacks beat the Nationals 5-2 in D.C. to earn a split of their four-game series. Trey Turner hit a pair of solo home runs for the Nats, who announced before the game that Steven Strasburg was going on the 10-day injured list with inflammation in his uh, right shoulder. On the ice Sunday, two was the magic number for the Bruins against the Capitals. And now it's center, controlled here by Wilson. The drop is to Ovechkin. His shot, little wrister that came in on Rask from the high slot. Locked down, and here comes Marchand. He's got Pasternak with him. They've got room. The pass across. Pasternak setting it up, and they score. Patrice Bergeron, the perfection line, burns them again, and it's a two-goal lead for the Bees at 5-3. to three. John Walton, the call on the Capitals radio network. Two goals each for Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, and David Krejci as the Bruins doubled up the Caps 6-3 in Boston. T.J. Oshie, two goals for Washington. And in Buffalo, a day after being eliminated from playoff contention, the Sabres doubled up the Penguins 4-2. Teddy Bluger and Jason Zucker scored for the Pens, who lost to the Sabres for the first time this season and for just the eighth time since the start of the 2012-2013 season. In college basketball, West Virginia's Emmett Matthews announced yesterday he is going back home. The Tacoma, Washington native announced he is transferring to the University of Washington. Uh, Matthews entered the NCAA transfer portal shortly after the Mountaineer season came to an end. He started 25 of 29 games as a junior, averaging 7.7 points a game. He will have two years of eligibility left for Washington, which went 5-21 last season. And in college football, staying in Morgantown, uh, West Virginia received a pair of defensive back commits over the weekend. Illinois State transfer Charles Wood, who will have two years left, and Tyron Woodby from St. Francis Academy uh, near Baltimore. Uh, he is considered a three-star prospect by rivals. He also held offers from Pitt, Virginia Tech, and Maryland, among others. And that is your Rock Around the Region once again brought to you by the Cap Rally Group. All right, still going to take your calls on the, uh, you know, do you want your team to be consistently good or win a title now at 301-759-2628. In the meantime, we'll switch gears here to a high school basketball. And the playoff picture really starting to shape up in West Virginia as we head into the second week of playoff action. Last week, the girls wrapped up sectional play with the region co-finals to be played this week. Also this week, the boys get into playoff mode with their section playoffs. Now, uh, we'll start with the girls since they are further along. 32 games 
will be played this week, we hope, that will determine the 32 teams headed to Charleston for next week's state tournament, which begins uh, next Tuesday. And again, it's 32 games because of the extra classification this year. There's four classes instead of three. In that fourth class in Quad A, the Region 2 co-finals set for this Wednesday, 7-4 Martinsburg, section champ, is hosting 6-3 Musselman. The other section champ, undefeated Jefferson at 11-0, will host Spring Mills, which has a losing record at 5-9. In AAA Region 1, Hampshire, coming off that smothering 41-30 win over Kaiser in the section title game on Friday, the 10-4 Trojans will host Weir tomorrow night for a spot in the state tournament. Is that right? Tomorrow night? Tomorrow's Tuesday, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, Weir, by the way, has a losing record at 6-9. and nine. Now, because they lost on Friday, uh, 10-7 Kaiser has to go on the road tomorrow to take on undefeated uh, North Marion. They are 12-0 on the year. In the uh, AA Region 2 co-finals, which will be played on Thursday, 13-1 Petersburg after knocking off Frankfurt last Friday, 64-47. Uh, the Vikings will host 3-7 Braxton County, while 13-3 Frankfurt has to hit the road to take on an 8-5 Trinity team in Morgantown. And in Class A Region 2, these games will be played on Wednesday, 7-8 Union is at 5-4 Pendleton County, while 15-4 Tucker County is hosting 6-8 Pocahontas County Tucker, looking for its 17th straight trip to Charleston. I know in recent days and weeks, I was stuck on the number 18. I was one year off. Uh, the Mountain Lions going for their 17th straight trip to the state tournament, not their 18th. So my bad, I take it back. As I mentioned, the boys' section playoffs get underway this week. Now, there were a few games uh, played on Saturday, none really around this region, so we're not going to worry about them. In Quad A, Region 1, Section 2, Preston is the fourth seed and will play at number 1 University tomorrow night. In the Region 2, Section 1, Spring Mills will play at Hedgesville on Wednesday in the section semifinals with the winner to play at top-seeded Martinsburg on Friday for the section title. On the other side of that region, Washington is playing at Jefferson also on Wednesday, winner at Musselman on Friday. In AAA Region 1, Section 2, Hampshire is your number one seed, both the boys and girls, number one seeds, Hampshire. Great season so far. The Trojans will host number four, Kaiser. And number two, Trinity is hosting number three, Berkeley Springs, both of those games on Wednesday, the winners to meet at the higher seeds court on Friday for the section title. Double A Region 2 Section 1 tomorrow night. Number 2 Petersburg will host number 3 Moorfield. And we've talked about this before. The winner faces top-seeded Frankfurt on the loser's court. So if Petersburg wins, it'll be the Vikings and Falcons on Moorfield's court on Friday. And, of course, if Moorfield wins, they'll play at Petersburg on Friday. And in Class A, Region 2, Section 1, number 2, East Hardy is hosting number 3, Union, tomorrow 
the winner taking on number one Tucker County on Thursday. The other side of that region, uh, two games tomorrow night, number one undefeated Pendleton County, 34 straight wins, trying to make it 35 against number four Harmon, and Pocahontas County and Tigers Valley will play the 2-3 game at Tigers Valley. Section title game will be played Friday. So that is a brief, a quick rundown of the entire playoff picture. There will be games every single night starting tonight all the way through a Saturday uh, for a complete list of the schedule, the results. Uh, check out our mothership's website, wvmetronews.com. Very exciting time. I wish we could feel the same excitement in Maryland, but we won't get into that. Pennsylvania's already done, right? They already finished up. Like, their state championships are finished. They were done, like, last week, if not sooner than that. So PA's done. Maryland never got started. And the thing right now is you just hope they can play because there were some section games on the girls' side last week that couldn't be played. Some teams had their seasons abruptly come to an end because of COVID. COVID issues within either the program or the school. And who was? I think it was Washington. The Washington girls had their season just stopped, done for a second straight year. Even look back to last Friday, uh, the Petersburg-Frankfurt game. Frankfurt was shorthanded. And you'd have to think, although you never really can guarantee an outcome, you have to think that made a difference in getting beat by Petersburg 64-47. So as the girls go into the region co-finals, as the boys go into section play, that that's like the main the main concern. Obviously, you want to coach them up. You want to get them prepared. You want to get them ready. But there's always that little tickle in the back of your brain, that little worry that something's going to come down the pike, that you're just going to wake up one day and get that phone call or that text message and say, sorry, your season's over. It's a, it's a constant worry. I know for the players, for the parents, for uh, the coaches, it's just it's it's like this dark cloud, this specter looming over everybody. You just want to you just want to play. You just want you just want to get through the season. Obviously, you want to get through a season that ends with a a state title in Charleston. But regard because last year there was none. There was no and nobody ended their season last year. Everything was just up in the air. Now, they started the girls' tournament last year, and that was cut short on day one, I do believe, or day two. I can't remember. The boys' tournament never got started. You had some teams that were in the state tournament last year, like they had completed their region co-finals. So some boys' teams were slotted for Charleston, just never got a chance to go. Other teams never even had a chance to play. There, now, I've told this story before, so I apologize if I repeat myself. You know, Frankfurt was getting ready to go on the road to take on Fairmont Senior. That day, like that day, the kids were in the locker room. I was home getting dressed to head up to the school to get on the bus. And they're like, ah, you can't go. 
right? That was when the pandemic really first started taking hold. And that game was just never played. And the season is just, it's still just floating out there in the ether. Just never to be finished, never to be completed, no closure, just nothing. You look at the Southern, the boys and girls basketball teams, they were slated to go to the Maryland State title games, and that never happened. That never materialized. And that still stings. It still stings those kids and those coaches and everybody involved. I mean, a year later. I don't know if that sting ever does go away. At the very least... You want a closure to a season. At the very look at the Kaiser and Frankfurt football teams getting through eight games this past season, and then being forced to shut it down, not even being able to go and play in the playoffs. You at least want closure, even if you're zero and ten, right? At least you know. At least you know. Like even if. Frankfurt had gone to Fairmont Senior last year for that region co-final, and they lost. At least they know. At least they know. Even if they won. Now, granted, it would have stunk not having a chance to play in a state tournament, but at least they would have known they qualified. So that, again, we have three weeks left. (laughs) Three weeks. The sectionals and regionals this week the girls' state tournament, and the boys' regionals next week, and then the boys' state tournament after that. Three weeks left. And you just hope, win or lose, every team can get to the finish line. That every team can walk away saying that, hey, maybe it didn't end the way we wanted to, because it's only going to end good for eight teams, right? That's it. That's it. Eight out of 64. It's only going to end good for four girls and four boys teams. That's it. But at least you want them all to say, we made it to the finish line. That we made it through this screwed up, jacked up, messed up season that started late, had games postponed and canceled, moved around. You know the, you know the drill. I can't think of any. The only thing I could think of that would be worse than losing was never getting a chance to play in the first place. Because at least if you lose, you know. Right? You ran the gauntlet. You got you got through a season. So, anyway, best of luck to all teams involved. Continued health and safety to all teams involved. And uh, we hope that, you know, we'll have something to talk about here in the next three weeks. That all teams can play and finish up. All right, time for a break. Uh, News and weather coming up next. There's some NBA talk. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Uh, Moving on now to, I guess, not just the NBA, but uh, sports in general. Because it looks like the NBA and other leagues are getting ready, uh, bracing themselves, if you will, for uh, possible riots 
and civil unrest and whatnot that could come this week if there is a verdict in the uh, Derek uh, Chauvin case in uh, Minnesota. With more on that, here's the NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj! I'm told that the league has told teams to be vigilant uh, about the possibility of game postponements this week uh, with the potential of a verdict in the Derek Chauvin uh, trial in Minneapolis for the death of George Floyd uh, and the possibility that there may be a game, a night or two of games that could be postponed based on you know, the possibility of civil unrest, you know, certainly player reaction and, 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 and how this could play out this week. Now, uh, closing arguments are expected today in the uh, Chauvin case. And uh, unless you've been under a rock, you know what's going on here, right? I mean, do I really have to get into uh, Chauvin faces charges of second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter in the death of, as uh, Woj just said, George, George Floyd uh, last May. And, of course, that incident set off weeks of protests, riots, civil unrest. And the NBA and other leagues fear more of the same if Chauvin, or however the hell you pronounce his last, I don't know, Chauvin, Chauvin, uh, if he's not convicted. And ESPN's Myron Metcalf says these leagues have to have a plan. But I think if you are the NBA, Major League Baseball, you've got to think long and hard. You have to have a plan in place. You have to have a plan in place that says if there's a reaction across the country that we may not have anticipated, that perhaps involve a lot of the emotions, which we're already seeing in this case, what's your move? But I personally think it would be unfair to a lot of these athletes around the country for them to have to watch this all unfold and then within hours face reporters like me who are going to say, hey, how does it all feel? You know, that's a lot for them to process too. So, look, it's going to happen again. Let, let's be let's be real about this. If this former uh, police officer, or Chauvin, who, who pleaded not guilty, if he's not convicted, it's happening again. It, it's there's just no way around it. If he gets if he gets off on all those charges, then it, it riots, protests, civil war, call it what you want, it's happening again. I would bet my life on it. So these leagues are trying to be proactive in trying to figure out a plan. Not if, when it happens, uh, that they're going to cancel games for pretty much the safety of everybody involved, right? And that's a smart thing to do. It's a smart thing to do because they know just as well as everybody else that if this Chauvin character, if he gets off, it, all hell is going to break loose. They know it's coming. Uh, ESPN's uh, Courtney Cronin, uh, who is not only working in Minnesota, she also does work for the Vikings. Uh, she lives in Minnesota, and she gives uh, her perspective of the situation. I think the big thing right now is it's very much a hurry up and wait 
moment, um, but everybody's taking precautions. Like Minneapolis public schools are going virtual Wednesday through Friday this week in anticipation of whatever the verdict may be. And we don't, I mean, who's to say if the jury's going to even have a decision by then? Um, and it could go so many different ways. Like that's the, you know, when you look at this from, you know, a perspective of somebody who knows what's happened the last 11 months. And for me, living in Minneapolis and kind of seeing the city take shape after the the shooting of uh, shooting and death of Dante Wright last Sunday to where we're at right now, it kind of feels like the city's on pins and needles. And I live in Minneapolis proper. I'm 0.8 miles from the Cup Foods where George Floyd died last summer, where this whole thing unfolded. We've been under curfew Monday, Tuesday last week. Brooklyn Center, where Dante Wright was killed. Uh, they were under curfew until I believe it was Thursday. There's been protests every day. And as, as this affects the sports world, I got pulled out to TV coverage last week. I, you know, I'm in Minneapolis. I cover the Minnesota Vikings, and uh, they needed some help with the return to sports, so to speak, when Monday we had a curfew. But a lot of teams canceled their or postponed their games out of respect for what had happened in Brooklyn Center. And now it kind of feels like whatever happens this week, that there is going to be some either statement or some sort of message from these teams. Like, that's the thing. Like, however this verdict goes, the sports world's going to be impacted by it one way or the other. And, you know, for for all intents and purposes, if if it goes one way where it creates unrest in the city, a lot of these sports teams, I know the Twins are out all week, I believe the Timberwolves are out all week. The one thing I noticed is that a lot of teams in the last year or so have felt compelled to make statements and to really rise into action when, when things like this happen and become... You know, the the line between politics, race, sports, all of it is, is so blurred right now. It's all kind of one big entity. I think it's just the time that we live in that you fully expect like the sports world to be a part of it this week, no matter what happens, which is kind of crazy. I don't honestly know if we've been in this socially conscious of a time before. I mean, sports and, and politics and, you know, real life events have always intersected, right? Mm. But to have it happen on a level where, you know, I'm preparing for the sports world reaction to this. I, I don't know five years ago with the, you know, the shooting death of, of Trayvon Martin that, that this same thing didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, this, oh, we got to get the sports world reaction. We have to anticipate either stoppages of play in terms of like a peaceful protest, all things like that to happen. It shows you really what a different time we're in now and that the – the rise of athlete empowerment has really forced us into this new this new realm where the sports world very much is part of everything else that's going on and has a massive carries a massive weight when things like this you know major events that the entire nation entire world um, is waiting on this verdict so there's uh, Courtney Cronin again from ESPN and a couple things uh, you know she mentioned uh, the lines between sports and politics and uh, you know, issues across the country that it's been blurred, right? And a lot of times you hear people say that I, I don't want, I don't want politics mixed with my sports, or I don't want you know issue certain issues mixed with my sports. Look, I got news for you. It's ne- it's that that line is never getting unblurred ever again. So get used to it, right? That is that's that is never. We're never getting back to a point where sports and politics 
or sports and social issues, we're never getting back to a point where those things are separate. They are now going to be intertwined forever. So if, if you, for whatever reason, get upset, angry that I don't want my politics and sports together, either get used to it or quit watching sports because it's not going away. It's not changing. Uh, secondly, this isn't going to be just a Minnesota thing. Okay, this, this isn't going to just inf, uh, impact Minnesota teams. This is this is a, a powder keg just ready to go off across the country if this verdict goes a certain way. And again, there's no guarantee the verdict comes down this week. So as Courtney said, it's going to be a lot of hurry up and wait. So there's going to be all kinds of teams in a lot of major cities that are going to be impacted if this verdict goes a certain way. It's not just in Minnesota. And we've seen it before. So what these leagues are doing, they're trying to get ahead of it. They're trying to just, you know, hey, if this goes if this goes down a certain way, this is what we're going to have to do. It, it, it's just kind of like you, you see a hurricane coming up the coast. What do you do? You get ready. You board up the house. You evacuate. You head inland, right? You 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 got certain things in place that you got to do before the hurricane hits. If this Chauvin Chauvin case goes a certain way, hurricane's going to hit, and it's going it's going to be going to be a Category Five, and so these leagues are just getting ready, telling their players, coaches, everybody involved. You know, this is what's going to happen if this verdict goes sideways. And then everything goes sideways. All right, uh, one final break, then back to wrap things up. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Let's check on the player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about this guy right here? Bam against Green. Four seconds. Three seconds. Bam. Inside. Shot up. Got it to go at the buzzer. And Miami wins it 109-107 as the big man, Bam, puts it in to end the ball game. The call on 790, the ticket, bam, Adebayo. Nailed that shot at the buzzer to give the Heat a two-point win over the Nets in Miami. Adebayo finished with a team-high 21 points, 15 rebounds, and five assists. So the big man, bam, the player who delivered, uh, brought to you once again by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. Also, before we get out of here, Something that came down uh, late Friday, so we didn't have a chance to talk about it Friday morning. Uh, William Hill Sportsbook and other Vegas books released their NFL win totals for the upcoming season. I know it's early. I know. Usually those don't come until, you know, middle of the summer. Now they keep on getting earlier and earlier. Now it's before the draft. This, of course, will be the league's first 17-game regular season. According to William Hill, uh, Kansas City is the top dog, projected at 12 wins for the Chiefs, who, of course, have gone to the Super Bowl the last two years. If you think KC will stumble a bit this year, 
You can get under 12 uh, at about plus 110. The team that beat KC for the title last season, the Buccaneers, William Hill has their win total set at 11.5. You can get over 11.5 at plus 100. Now, keep in mind, there's an extra game this year, so there's an extra chance to get that one extra win. The Packers, who have made the NFC title game the last two seasons, have their win total set at 11 along with the Ravens. So William Hill, the sportsbook, likes the Ravens to win 11. Baltimore won 11 games last season. Bills and Rams have their totals at 10.5. And then you have the Seahawks, 49ers, Colts, and Browns all set at 10. The Steelers, one of four teams with their win total set at 9 along with the Patriots, Dolphins, and the Chargers. All of those teams, in case you're not keeping track, are in the AFC. So if William Hill is correct, you'll have four teams at nine wins, which would make for a pretty interesting uh, wild card run down the stretch. The Raiders, Cardinals, and the Washington Fighting Riveras are set at eight wins, which, in the new 17-game season, would be below 500 at eight and nine. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a while to get used to this 17-game season. Bringing up the rear, the Texans and Lions are expected to be the two worst teams in football this season. Uh, William Hill setting their win total each at five. And Bet MGM has the Texans even worse than that. They have set Houston's win total at four and a half. So there you go. Now, of course, none of this stuff is set in stone. It's just projected win totals. How they can figure it out in early April, I have no idea. And of course, those are going to change. They'll change. Those are just the initial, uh, you know. Totals. The draft comes, and then you have workouts, and then you have training camp, and you have injuries, and, and those win totals will fluctuate. But if you want to get it on the ground floor, there you go. I kind of like uh, that Bucks bet, by the way. Again, an extra game. That win total, 11 and a half, and you can get at, at plus 100 right now. Again, if you don't know what that means, if you get a plus, and they always talk about increments of 100, so it's a plus 100. So if you bet 100, you win 100. Fair enough? So if you bet 10, you win 10. The Steelers at 9, I don't know. That's I think they'll be worse than they were last year, but only 9 wins. And again, with the new schedule, that's only one game over 500 at 9 and 8. I like maybe I like the over now, but I'm not quite sure. Washington at eight wins, I think that's about right. I think that's about right. Maybe one or maybe one more win than that. Maybe, maybe we'll see. It's it's too early. It's way too early to even tell. Uh, programming note tonight: we got Nationals baseball here on this very station. The Nats uh, continuing their seven game homestand. They have three games with the Cardinals. Game one of that series tonight. Nats trying to get something rolling. Trying to get something going. As I mentioned earlier in the show. 
They're five and eight. They've only won back-to-back games once this season. So they're trying to get some traction instead of just spinning their wheels, trying to get some forward momentum. So we'll see if they can start that tonight against the Cardinals. A pregame, 635, first pitch, 705, right here on this uh, very station. So there you go. That's it. Uh, We're finished. Get out of here. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Don't forget, check out our podcast page on the free Podbean app. If you missed any of the show today, it's a terrible way to end the show. Check out our podcast page on the Podbean app. Also, hit us up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush and vote on our question of the day. All right, now I'm done. Final hour of KJZ coming up next. Stick around for that. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C. And I am done. Ah, I'll see you.